the Georgia Guidestones were attacked in an unthinkable act of cruelty against humanity. The protectors of Mother Earth, the globalists, and the New World Order of Lawlessness band together, making a joint statement on this issue. The attack of the monument that sought to slowly commit genocide of 7.5 billion people through war, famine, inflation, viruses, and the granting of licenses only to the brightest and fittest to reproduce and finally produce the perfect Aryan race, utterly condemn the destruction of this satanic obelisk. They go on and say, we know this was the working of the one and only Nazi Donald Trump. And if not directly by him, then he probably paid the farmers in the Netherlands to destroy the obelisk. Regardless, they say, it is clear that farmers are the greatest threat to society as they feed people. And we at the Humanism and Reason Institute have decided that all humanity is inherently good, which makes them very, very bad, which is why we put up and published our plans to destroy this plague of humanity to nature in the Guide to Humanity in Georgia, unquote. The Mother Earth spokesperson went on waxing eloquence about how hunger is a good thing as it causes the poor to work hard and it is the greatest form of equality in the world. Because global poverty, if everyone is equally dead from starvation and war, then there will be no more war, unquote. The vice president of the United States also weighed in on the destruction of the Georgia Guidestones, commenting by saying there is a significance to the passage of time. And everyone stopped paying attention after that. CNN was also jolted by the news that the destruction of their propaganda portal was destroyed. They were so shook to their core that they decided to become committed to journalism again, stating, quote, we now have lost our communication to the spherical plane through the satanic monument that we had now no choice but to become a news outlet that does journalism instead of satanic propaganda. Unquote. As the ley lines and waning power of child sacrifice across America begins to crumble, the pro-sacrifice politicians become even more emboldened as they hang on for dear life, stating, quote, most all the nations on the earth either fully restrict or largely restrict abortion. America used to proudly stand among a few nations that stand for the destruction of human rights and the supporting of satanic rights to kill babies in their mother's womb on demand. We used to stand alongside of countries like the great North Korea and China in its ability to kill babies at free will. But it is clear we are now finding our moral bearings again as a nation, and that must be stopped, unquote. Now, of course, you're probably wondering what the celebrities of America is saying about the destruction of the Georgia Monument. Well, Rihanna, Cardi B, and Greta Thunberg all made public statements in a joint public statement saying, quote, I don't know what the Georgia Guidestones were. But clearly, if Alex Jones wanted them destroyed, they must have been humanity's last hope. A hope being destroyed by the farmers in the Netherlands. When asked about their support for the Indian farmer protest in contrast to the Netherlands farmer protest, they said, quote, we've been doing a lot of listening, reflecting, and learning. It is clear we must do better. We now see how farmers everywhere are a risk to humanity. And just as they were dragged off to the glogs in the USSR and the farmers were stripped of their land in the CCP, we must do the same for farmers all across the world before the world ends in 12 years. Welcome to the Lucas Scrobot Show. I'm Lucas Scrobot, and this is where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. It is episode 
290. We are are already at July 7th, 2022. Well, UN, apparently the UN, thinks that hunger is a good thing. There was a post floating around. It's actually from an article from years back by the UN where it is written by the author George Kent. And he starts by saying, some, the title of the, the article is Benefits of World Hunger. He starts by saying, we sometimes talk about the hunger in the world as if it was a scourge that all of us want to see abolished, viewing it as comparable with the plague or AIDS. But naive views prevent us from coming to grips with with, which cause and sustain hunger. Hunger has a great positive value for many people. Indeed, it is fundamental to the working of the world's economy. Hungry people are the most productive people, especially where there is a need for manual labor. Well, ironically enough, the those who are so good at satire did not catch the satire of this piece. George Kent is actually has a book on how uh, it is in people's best interest to keep people hungry. And so he was actually writing a satirical piece. Uh, but apparently those who resurfaced this found it not to be so satirical. And it, it kind of ties into a lot of the uh, globalist world, one world government theories, conspiracy theories that are floating out about there, which in fact, we are going to talk a lot about in today's episode. Uh, on its face, if you see this floating around the interwebs, this particular article from the UN is not factual. It is a satire. And I love satire. If you couldn't tell, the entire intro from the show is a satire. So God bless George Kent. I love your wits. I love your satire. And it's totally ironic that people actually fell for this. But I think the reason that people actually fell for it is because the UN and other organizations that are are committed to their globalist agenda, it seems like something that they would say. They often talk about limiting the world population. They talk about this population collapse. They talk about uh, uh, humanism. They talk about transhumanism and how we need to control the world's population. So many people don't actually feel it's far off. I actually think that uh, I, I love Kent's work as far as this article, but at least the intro goes, I know he's making the argument that it is capitalism that keeps people hungry, but history proves quite otherwise. It's actually capitalism, the the free market, people being able to work for themselves and negotiate their labor. That has led to more people being pulled out of poverty than ever before. And those things, the foundations of that thought that if you work, you get the, the rewards of your labor and that if you don't work, you don't get food. The, the, the foundation of those thoughts are Judeo-Christian worldview, Judeo-Christian beliefs that come from the Bible. So capitalism has its roots in, in monotheistic Abrahamic faith. And that is why it has been so successful worldwide versus what the new world order, the new liberal world order, which is really just a, a new uh, phrasing, a new phrasing for communism and socialism and Marxism and redistribution of wealth so that we can all be on the equal playing field. Well, the equal playing field that we will all be on is being this close millimeters away from starvation on a worldwide level. That is what happened in the USSR when they seized the land from the farmers and they threw them all into the gulags. No one knew how to farm. And so it was a man-made famine. That's what happened in the CCP with, with the Cultural Revolution where the Chinese government took the land away, away from the landowners and the farmers and they redistributed the land, but all the produce had to go to the government. It caused a man-made famine. Tens of millions of people died. Well, in the intro, we talked about these Georgia Guidestones. Oh, man, the Georgia Guidestones, what a, what a hot topic. Well, 
we are going to go live to our on-the-ground correspondent who was just at the Georgia Guidestones just a little bit ago, the, the one and only Alex Jones. He is guesting on the show today, guest appearance, his cameo, first a cameo of, not first cameo, but on the show today by Alex Jones. He is going to read off for us exactly what is written right there on the Georgia Guidestones. Maintain humanity under 500 million perpetual balance with nature. Guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Unite humanity with a living new language. Esperanza, the UN global language. Rule passion, faith, tradition in all things with tempered reason, meaning they are the gods that give us reason. They decide who the social justice warriors are. They decide what's moral. Protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts through the UN. Let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. All of its doublespeak. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. Need a world government that dissolves your local government that you control, and then you can't say a damn thing to the United Nations that runs extermination operations worldwide. Balance personal rights with social duties. You don't really have any rights in Article 30 of the UN Universal Declaration of Human Rights. It says, oh, you have all these previous ones unless we say so, then we can take them away. Well, a right you can take is not a right at all. Prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. Be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. You've got it in eight major languages of the world. This was this Georgia Guidestone. This was erected back in the 1980s by globalist New World Order of uh, organizations, billionaires, who built this monument, kind of like a hedgestone, in Georgia with what Alex Jones just read printed in eight different languages on the, the sides of these massive stones. Well, in the last 24 hours, uh, someone came and bombed the stones, bombed the stones, destroyed one of the stones to the point that they had to tear the entire monument down. Uh, I think it's, I think it's uh, one, a, a crime to do, but at the same time, I think it's brilliantly ironic. <laughs> I think it's awesome that uh, I just think it's funny because so many people have talked about destroying the stones and finally someone did it. We're going to talk a little bit more about our theories of who exactly is responsible for destroying these stones, but we're going to go back to our correspondent live on the ground, Alex Jones, you know, just talking a little bit more about the, the new one world order and what these stones were all about. A very dark obelisk, a very, very evil temple to the destruction of humanity. And they intend to mesmerize you, brainwash you, or you love your servitude and can't even fight back. But I believe in you. I believe you're gonna wake up. I believe you're gonna wake other people up now while you still have a chance. But if you won't do it now, if you won't fight now, you're never gonna be able to fight. This is the time when it's out in the open. They think you're weak, and you're going to give it acquiescence. You cannot do this. Civilization must expand. Humanity is good. We're it's not true. dirty. We shouldn't have to wear a mask. We shouldn't have to hear how we're bad for the earth all day. These are people getting you to turn off your life force and to hate yourself so they can rule you. They don't give a damn about the earth. These people are evil, selfish. Alex, you seem very, uh, very emboldened by what's happening here at this monument. Can you at least maybe take a step back, Alex, and give us some history on where this worldview comes from? What What is the, the beginning seed in history of people thinking that we should limit our population, that we should control uh, humanity through eugenics, that, that there are some who are elite and worthy to live and some who are not. Here's Alex Jones. This is a little bit of a lengthy clip, but he actually breaks down a lot of great historical uh, precedent and history, historical history, uh, that really brings us to the modern day where a lot of the, the thoughts and the language around what a globalist is or the new world order is or eugenics is, uh, why these thoughts 
are prevalent in so much of society and why people are fighting so hard against it. Alex. Plato. 2,300 plus years ago, the modern father of eugenics and so much more saying there's too many people we need to depopulate because humans are crushing the breast of Mother Earth. And then Malthus, 270 years ago, 250 years ago, saying we should kill the poor, we should spread disease, and we should pack them into tiny little coffin-like apartments in London. There's too many people. This is the excuse of the elites to rule over the population. And then you had the social Darwinists at the turn of the last century, 1900, and the robber barons. And that was only a shadow. See, that was all just the beginning. That was all the testing. And we were there showing you the shape of their plans, showing you the books they wrote, the quotes they put out about depopulation. Prince Philip, Prince Charles, all saying, we need to cut the world economy off. We need less consumption. And they said 10 years ago in the Rockefeller Foundation, Operation Lockstep, we'll use a global threat of a virus to kill civilization and collapse the third world and collapse the first world. And now we're told it never ends. So all of that was the buildup to where we are moving from Plato right here, 2000 plus years ago, over the ages, all the slavery, all the wars, and all the way up in time 550 years ago, we finally have the Renaissance and real Christian ideas and egalitarianism to build up humanity, to take care of the poor, to have running water. And that actually created our golden age. But they're deciding to go back to what Plato wanted. And that's where we are. We're not in the shadow of this anymore. We're not in the planning phases. We're now in the future with those evil visions of the past. Now manifesting in the year 2020. We're now zero hour. And Klaus Schwab and the UN, the Davos Group, all admit that their plan is to be the guardians of the galaxy. They'll decide who lives and dies. This is a UN temple, a UN shrine. Maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. That, that is the history of Malthusian thought comes from all the way from Plato, that man really is a scourge on the, the breast of Mother Nature and that we are nothing but a virus on the earth. And so these thoughts evolved over time to be brought to some of its full conclusions, which we saw in the early uh, 20th century, the turn of the 19th, 20th century with socialist, Marxist, Engels, ideology that says we are nothing but a sack of chemicals. If you are nothing but a sack of chemicals, then there, there is no such thing as morality. There's no such thing as God. It is all materialism. And if, if the world is all materialism, then, then who is to say that there is something that is moral or immoral? Who is to say that a, a baby in its mother womb should be protected? Also, who is to say that a two-year-old who's not fully developed into a human being ought not to be protected? Who is to say that you or I ought not to be protected? Because maybe we're not fully developed. This is the worldview. This is the ideology of all those who are pushing this idea of I want, I want to say global warming or climate change. Global warming has changed to, to climate change. And it is good to take care of our environment. We ought to take care of our environment. We ought to make sure we are good stewards of the things that we have been given, including the earth. The, the problem is that movement has been hijacked by Malthusian worldview to push forward their agenda to destroy the human race, to control the human race, to create an Aryan race, to create a superhuman. And so they make humans hate themselves. They're making youth hate themselves and love Mother Nature and think that we are the scourge, that everything that we do in this world, every breath that we take is only producing more destruction and nothing could be further 
from the truth. Well, people are uh, outraged, I'm sure, that these beautiful, obelisk, demonic, satanic monuments have been destroyed. The, the guide to humanity is no longer with us. What are we ever to do? Well, there's some theories about who exactly decided to go and destroy this monument in Georgia. The first theory is Alex Jones himself. He's in fact seen hitting one of these stones with his fist. Some theorize that his hit uh, was so powerful that it destroyed the integrity of this granite stone. And two to three years later, the stone just decided to crumble. Uh, but that has been largely dismissed as Alex Jones makes a lot of money talking about these stones. Now he can no longer talk about these stones, so I'm sure it's going to hurt his overall net worth. The other, the other person that people are suspecting is Bill Gates. Bill Gates has a vested interest to destroy these stones because he realized that his plan was published worldwide back in 1980. And so people think maybe he's trying to cover his tracks. You know, he's gained so much traction with, with buying farmland in America and really pushing to control the masses that now he wants to destroy his plan. But that also has been largely dismissed. Why? Well, because we know that the, the globalists like to put their not-so-secret agenda agenda far out in the open. So it's not likely that uh, Gates or the globalists with their eugenic agenda decided to destroy their own obelisk and monument. Uh, so, so who was it? Was it Trump? Well, we have Cassidy. We have Cassidy uh, go, going to the Senate saying, I know who did this. This was Trump. Here is, is Cassidy uh, testifying how Trump tried to run the presidential limousine into the Georgia Monument. The president had very strong, very angry response to that. Um, Tony described him as being irate. So when the president, former President Donald Trump, heard about this Georgia Monument, here, here is he being described as being irate, very strong emotions to hearing what uh, was on this monument. After all, Trump was put into the presidency to drain the swamp. So clearly, uh, Donald Trump being a Nazi, as they say, uh, clearly it was in his best interest to destroy this monument that really echoed uh, Nazi ideology. So here, here's the next clip by uh, Cassidy. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president Take me up to the Capitol now. And Capitol being code word for Bobby the Georgia Monument. Sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. So there it is. It is, it could have been former President Donald Trump trying to steal the presidential limo to run in and crash into the obelisk. We are still looking for footage to confirm if that is true. Obviously, that is also sat uh, satire, as uh, that is her testifying about uh, the, the date that cannot be mentioned on Instagram or uh, uh, YouTube or your content will get flagged. So I won't even mention the, the infamous state of American history. Uh, but again, people don't think that is it. I personally think that it could be the farmers uh, protesting in the Netherlands, but upon further research, digging around the internet, uh, you know, searching the dark web of BitChute, I found this comment and I am certain that we here on the show have solved the mystery of who destroyed the Georgia Monument. It is none other than Mike 1956 this is his handle, Mike 1956. He says, quote, I think I'm going to form a group dedicated to destroying this monument to conformity. Well, Mike, 
1956, you have won. You have you have uh, achieved your goal. Well, as you said, it's probably really just the the Dutch farmers in the Netherlands who are destroying the world uh, right now. If you're not familiar with the story, as it, it's not getting as much airtime as I suspected it would get, as I think that it ought to get. But the Netherlands government recently passed laws and restrictions against farmers, essentially restricting emissions of nitrogen oxide from farm animals and manures. This is from Reuters. From the use of amino Ammonia in fertilizers, the government says, estimating a 30% reduction in livestock numbers is needed. High-intensity farming of cows, pigs, and other animals has made the Netherlands and Euro- Netherland Europe leading has made the Netherlands, excuse me, has made the Netherlands Europe's leading emitter of the substances. Construction and traffic after, off, also contribute. Dutch and European courts have ordered the Dutch government to address the problem. Farmers say it's not fair. Essentially, what this is doing to farmers is it's going to limit them from using fertilizer and reduce the amount of livestock they're able to have on their farms, which will effectively cause many of these farmers to have to just totally go out of business, totally go out of business. And why? Why is the government doing all this? Uh, Greenhouse gases. We need to be net zero. So what are we going to do? We are going to kill our food supply as if we don't already have a food supply issue with inflation and supply chain issues worldwide right now. But no, it is, it's in the best interest of the people of the globe for politicians to decide that farmers, what, what farmers can and can't do. I mean, of course, there needs to be some limitations uh, farmers shouldn't just dump chemicals into the ground. But it is likened to what happened in the USSR. It is likened to what happened in, in the CCP, where politicians come in with no consequences, direct consequences for the laws that they put in place to then say, hey, farmers, you can't do this. Well, the farmers are protesting. There's lines and lines of tractors down the highway Across the Netherlands, there was this one clip of uh, the police opening fire on a tractor. Here it is. Hey, weapons, jongen, weapons. Hey, wolle, rij weg, jongen, rij weg. You hear the gunshots? Yeah. And they're stoked they got it on film. The police shot at a tractor going around a roundabout. Uh, man, I remember, I remember just last year, when the Indian farmers were protesting and they were protesting against laws that the Indian government was making and the Indian farmers protested and began to demand that there was equal pay or, or uh, set prices for their food to be bought at, their grains to be bought at, to give them guarantees and assurances. And I remember the entire world blowing up. Remember Greta Thunberg and Rihanna the rest of the world, it was just hashtag everything, support the farmers, no farmers, no food. But now it's all silent. Why? Because the farmers are protesting against global warming regulations. And it's better if we just kill off all of society. It's better that humanity starve than we produce greenhouse gases. It is, man. The, the movement of taking care of the environment has been hijacked by a communist, socialist, Marxist activists that are actively seeking to destroy global economy, actively seeking to cause revolts worldwide so that people rely on the government and the government can redistribute everything to people. But it always, it always turns out in global famine, every place or national famine, every place that these ideologies have taken root. And I just find it so ironic that just a year ago, 
People were fighting, standing in solidarity, everyone posting their fists in solidarity with the, the farmers in India. But now, as it goes against the, the Green New Deal, the world is going to end worldview. It is crooked. So speaking of India, India government is being sued by Twitter for taking down some of Twitter's posts because the Indian government has policies that state you are, are not allowed to post you know, certain political misinformation. There's people on both sides who say, well, the, the government of India ought to be able to limit what is posted on social media for the sake of the, the safety of the nation or misinformation. And then there's the other side that, well, this is infringement upon spe- free, free speech. You know, where we fall, we fall more on the belief that people should have the freedom to speak. But what is deeply, deeply ironic about this entire situation is that it, it's just completely hypocritical on Twitter's part. Twitter is saying, hey, Indian government, it's not fair that you have a policy seeing what people can or cannot post, and we ought to have freedom of speech to post what we want to on our platform. Freedom of speech ought to be all right. At the same time, they have policies where they say, hey, Jordan Peterson, hey, Ruben, you are not allowed to say certain things on Twitter. If you do, we are going to censor you and we are going to take your posts off Twitter. It's deeply ironic. It's deeply hypocritical. Here's a platform that supposedly is standing for free speech. And they're suing the Indian government for not standing or not allowing free speech. While at the same time, Twitter feels like they ought to be able to enforce their policies when it comes to their accepted speech, saying that calling someone by their biological gender before they have a surgery is is somehow hate speech. It's absolutely absurd and asinine. Here is Dr. Jordan Peterson commenting on how he was taken off of Twitter and how he is, he ain't never, never going back. And I'm not taking down that tweet or acknowledging that my tweet violated the Twitter rules. Up yours, woke moralists. We'll see who cancels who. Twitter's a rat hole in the final analysis, and I have probably contributed to that while trying to use, understand, and master that horrible, toxic platform. No doubt, I owe some apologies for that, and I'm trying to learn, but it's a relief in some real sense to be banned. And I regard it under the present conditions as a badge of honor. Well, that was from Daily Wire. Uh, Daily Wire just signed uh, Jordan Peterson to be on their platform, which deeply grateful for Jordan Peterson. Uh, Ruben apparently reposted a link to Peterson's post saying he was deplatformed. And now Ruben is being kicked off because he mentioned what was happening on Twitter on Twitter. It's just, it's absolutely asinine. It's absolutely ridiculous, especially when you look at the hypocrisy of Twitter suing the Indian government for withholding their policies. And yet Twitter feels like they ought to withhold their own policies in the limiting of speech. It's just completely, completely hypocritical. Yeah, that makes sense. In a post-truth society where we've exchanged truth for lies and reason for postmodern irrationality, the truth and the, the, the absurdities finally make sense. Well, uh, Kamala Harris did the unthinkable, and she decided to weigh in on abortion and slavery. You know, when I made the comparison of abortion and slavery— I received comments from people saying, yeah, please don't compare the two. They're not comparable. Don't compare the two. Well, here's Kamala Harris comparing the two. What essentially has happened is the statement has been made that the government has a right to come in your home and tell you as a woman and as a family what you should do with your body. Uh, And it's just to correct, Madam Vice President, the government is saying what 
not what you can do with your body. It's what you can't do with someone else's body. You can't murder and you can't kill someone else's body. But continue, Madam Vice President. Oh, my gosh. And the, and the point has to be this. We have to recognize we're a nation that was founded on certain principles that are, that are grounded in the concept of freedom and liberty. Yes, Madam Vice President, you do have the, in the Constitution, freedom and liberty, which means that the person being killed ought to have freedom and liberty to life. There is no constitutional right to kill your offspring, Madam Vice President. We also know that we've had a history in this country of government trying exactly. to claim ownership over human bodies. Exactly. And this is where this is where we agree. The government had laws where slave owners had the legal right to have ownership over human bodies. Just like we used to have a, a law, Roe v. Wade, that permitted that in made not just permitted it made it that states must enable and must offer abortion services that it might not be illegal saying that the state has the right to kill a human body saying that mothers somehow have some special right to kill their offspring just like somehow white slave owners had some special right to own black slaves if they had plantations. That's the, the, the correct equivalence because it's both are oppression of people who are suffering the consequences, which is the, the baby and the slave. But of course, Madam Vice President is referring to something else. Yes, that is right. And we had supposedly evolved from that time and that way of thinking. So this is very problematic on so many levels. It is very problematic what the vice president here obviously is saying. Is she saying that now women are being enslaved, that the government is telling women what they can and can't do with their bodies. But that's not the case. The government is saying, one, the states can decide what laws are in place to protect the born, unborn, or not protect the unborn. So that's one. And two, what's happening is the states are saying and deciding whether or not a person can legally be killed. Well, the, the evil knows no bounds when it comes to this side and what people are willing to do. Of course, there's the, the endless argument that, well, you're not really pro-lifer, you're just a pro-birther, you just care about babies when they're inside the womb, not when they're outside the womb. But if someone tries to care for babies outside the womb, it's totally shut down and it's barred as well. Uh, there is an organizations within America called crisis pregnancy centers. These are centers that help women who find themselves in unexpected pregnancies needing help. And they provide help, financial aid, financial services, uh, adoptive services for these women. And they, they walk with them. They give them finances. They give them resources. They give them baby formula. They give them diapers for women who find themselves in unexpected pregnancies. Well, apparently, according to the Native American Elizabeth Warren from the great state of Massachusetts, she, uh, she believes that helping women in crisis is incredibly evil. Senator Warren also taking aim at pregnancy crisis centers. Here in Massachusetts, these so-called uh, crisis pregnancy centers outnumber genuine abortion clinics by three to one. She says women walk into the centers believing they'll get abortions. Instead, they try to talk women out of it. She calls it a bait and switch. They are giving it over to people who wish them harm. And that has to stop. We need to put a stop to that in Massachusetts right now. One, that's, I mean, the obvious, the, the evil knows no end. And that the blatant lie that volunteers, these people are not getting paid. They are volunteering in pregnancy centers to help women who find themselves in unexpected pregnancies to help them in their situation. They are being accused by the senator, 
that these people wish them harm, seek to do them harm. I mean, the, the, the turning of evil and making it good and good and making it evil on a societal level, that is truly, truly dark and truly destructive. It is one thing for people to break righteous and good laws in a country and do evil things. And it's another thing for a nation to embrace wickedness and call it good. Well, there was a thread that was going on about this originally posted by Ian Haworth. And he writes this, with a Pope, Pro-abortion advocates painting the United States as barbaric for limiting abortions. Let's take a look at when other countries banned abortions for economic, social, or on-demand reasons. So, Argentina, after 14 weeks, can't have an abortion. Austria, after 12 weeks, can't have an abortion. Brazil, banned. banned. Croatia, 10 weeks. Cyprus, 12 weeks. Czech Republic, 12 Denmark, 12. Estonia, 12. Finland, 12. On-demand is banned. It only could be for economic or social reasons. France is 14 weeks. Germany, 12 weeks. Greece, 12 weeks. Ireland, 12. Italy, 90 days, 13 weeks. Latvia, 12. Lithuania, 12. 12. Norway, 12. Poland, banned. Portugal, 10. Russia, 12. Uh, it is, to bring some context, in America, the, what brought this Dobbs case to the Supreme Court, which essentially overthrew Roe v. Wade, was a, a lawsuit in Texas where they wanted to be able to have abortions after 15 weeks. And the state of Texas said, no, you can't have it after 15 weeks. You can, you can have it before 15 weeks still. It's still in our laws, but you can't have it after 15 weeks. And that which is what led to it being totally overthrown and seeing that Roe v. Wade is unconstitutional. Well, the majority of the world, the majority of the world believes that there is no such thing. You should not be able to have abortion on demand. And here he says, excluding risk to the mother's health or life. Uh, rape, fetal impairment, or social and economic reasons. Now, I, I would say some of these nations have exceptions to rape, fetal impairment, or social economic reasons. Not all of these nations, but virtually all of these nations, if it's an atopic pre pregnancy or if it's some crazy situation where it's apparent that the, the life of the baby won't make it or the mother won't make it, then they do have access to abortion when really abortion is the intentional killing of a child. If you are seeking to save the child's life and save the mother's life at 23 weeks, we now have the technology to, to have a viable baby. A baby is viable at 23 weeks. They can live outside the mother's womb without the mother's help at 23 weeks. Happens quite often. So even when you look at the mother's health, that often is something that's used when they talk about late-term abortions, when you can deliver the baby and you can still have the baby. Well, he goes and lists virtually every other nation on the earth, starting with A, going through and ending with C. We're not going to read it all here on the show. But that is to say that most rest of the world has actually a sane view on when life begins. A sane view. Most every other nation in the world. Well, there was a talk about how many other nations in the world allow abortion on demand as is still legal in many parts of America, California, New York, you can still have an abortion in Colorado, Illinois. These are still quote unquote safe havens for the murder of innocent babies. Well, there is approximately seven other nations, seven other countries that virtually have no bans on abortion. That would be Vietnam, North Korea, China, Canada, uh, 
Australia, in it's structured more like in America, where each state, well, in Perth, in Australia, there are pretty much abortions uh, upon request up to 24 weeks. Um, and that is most of them. And then America is, is one of them. Singapore. Netherlands. Those are the nations. So Canada, China, Netherlands, North Korea, Singapore, the United States, and Vietnam. Pretty much on demand. This is, this is a small handful of nations in the world. And I am glad to see that America is finally regaining their moral balance. I am 4th of July week this week. Proud to be an American. Proud that there are states that are standing up for uh, righteous and justice and for the life of the unborn. Well, this show is brought to you by listeners like you. This is a value for value podcast, which means if you get value out of the show, we ask that you can give that you would give value back to the show in the measure that you got it out. Whatever that value is, that's up to you. You can give value back to the show by donating your hard cold. Uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum uh, on platforms like, by listening through platforms like Sphinx, where you can give your Satoshis or Bitcoin as you listen and as you stream, or you can give your hardcore fiat by visiting lucasscrobot.com backslash support. And you can give value in the measure that you got value out of the show. We thank you for everyone who gives to the show to keep this show going without you, it really would not be possible. So thank you to everyone who supports the show, who listens to the show, who shares the show. Um, deeply grateful for your generosity and your attention. Don't go away. We'll be right back with our closing Weaver and Loom segment. Welcome back to Weaver and Loom, a part of the show where we take ancient wisdom and we weave it in with our everyday lives so that we can own our future and weave our destiny. Today, we don't really have a quote, just more of a thought. When I, when I think about this segment, Weaver and Loom, and wh- where the ideas for this came from and what this segment is all about, I thought it would be worth to kind of visit that as it's a bigger framework that that plays into our life. When I think of a weaver at his or her loom, you think of the loom, and if the loom is crooked, if the framework that you're viewing the world through is crooked, when that carpet comes out of the loom, it won't lay flat. It won't lay straight. It won't be a good carpet. That our our framework by which we view the world, the lenses that we view the world through, if they are warped, then we will have warped results. Another thing that I love about the image of a carpet is that each knot is like an individual. Each knot is like a generation and that we are individuals. We have choices that we get to make for our life, but we are also part of a bigger narrative. We're also part of a bigger story. We are also part of a bigger carpet, the carpet of our, our lineage and our generation from generation to generation and part of society of a, as a whole, that we are individuals, but as individuals, we also exist within communities. So how does our dot, our one little breath and vapor of life, how does that affect other people around us? And then as, a, as I was just reflecting on on this thought and idea of having a right framework and then being connected to lineage. And then what, what is the one knot that we're going to bring to the, the line of history, to the, the tapestry of history? That knot is the actions that you and I take in our life, the things that you and I believe and the things that we act on. Not just believe in theory, but believe in action. That if we believe something, if we truly believe something, we act according to what we believe. Otherwise, it's just, it's just ethereal knowledge. It's not something that's worked through our life in a, in a manifest way. 
And as I've been reflecting on life, on growing older, not that I'm old, I'm actually quite young still. I'm interested in my mid-30s. And I realized that really that's still pretty early on in the race of life. And what is more important, the starting or the finishing? It's the finishing. And there's many traps and snares along the way that can keep us from finishing well. There's many traps and snares that can cause us to lose our way, that can cause us to lose our, our sobered mindedness, that can cause us to fall into loose ways of thinking, or I want to use the word debauchery, but really it's, it's becoming drunk with the, the words of the world that tickle our ears, being drunk with the thoughts of, of the world that comforts and soothes our hearts. But we are charged to be sober-minded, to be of a clear mind, to be aware, because there are snares that are set up for each and every one of us. And those snares really, really, really can totally take our lives out, destroy our lives, destroy our marriage. It's not how our marriage starts, but how it ends. You make it 30, 40 years, and then you self-destruct on your marriage. It's still destructive to your kids, still destructive to your grandkids. And I know it happens. I know uh, it happens for many different reasons, and there is healing and redemption on the other side of that. But it is worth saying that our families and that our sober-mindedness and that what we believe and how we live according to those beliefs are worth fighting for. Because we will be one little knot in the tapestry of history that our kids will attach to. And the way that we order our lives will affect the way that our kids order theirs one way or another. So go out this week, remain sober-minded, be aware of the ideas that you are adopting, the, the actions that you are walking out, and the roots of where those come from so that you can really own your future. Well, thank you for listening to the show. Uh, if you have any questions for me, you can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero, or you can message me on the Instagrams. Uh, if you want to get more out of this show, share it with a friend. By giving, you will actually get more back and probably have some fun conversations. That's all. I will see you next week on the show. Go out and own your future.